You're listening to Mornings on FBI 94.5. Come on. Joining me is our resident counsellor, sorry, relationships counsellor and sexual therapist, Tanya Coons. Welcome. Hey, Bridie Morning. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Last fortnight on Let's Talk About Sex, we talked about why relationships are under a lot of pressure in this mm. modern age with sort of digital platforms offering this out-of-reach romance yeah. and making it easier to feel like we're missing out on something and start questioning our relationships and also making it easier to cheat on our partners. Definitely. Now, this week, we're looking at, uh, hoping to look at offering some solutions to when your long-term relationship has lost its spark. Yeah. And this must be something you come across all the time as a relationships counsellor. All the time. <laughs> People come in and, and, you know, I think if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, I love my partner, but I'm not in love with them, I'd be an independently wealthy woman. Well, let's talk <laughs> about the science uh, of what's going on in the brain when people fall out of that initial love that they feel for their partner yeah. and into long-term relationship mode. Yeah, okay. So I think we may have mentioned on past shows the term limerence, which is basically the science name for the honeymoon period. So when you get a new lover, your skin connects with their skin and then it registers and goes, oh, this is somebody new. And we get very excited about that internally because we're hardwired to find a mate. So we get this whole push of funky hormones that puts up blinkers. We don't see that they burp and they fart and they scratch their bum like everybody else does. We uh, think that they're very interesting and they're very interested in us. And it's really easy to get to sex. There's tons of spontaneous sex in this time. People are adventurous and creative. And it's really like the pleasure centre of the brain takes over and starts running the show. It's quite interesting. And how long does that usually last for? Ah, so that, depending on the couple, lasts between six and 24 months. If you're really lucky, you can push it out for 36 months, right? And then all those chemicals disappear, right? Boom, gone. Um, They have managed to synthesise them, but they don't work the same in pill format, sadly. (laughs) But what happens is uh, it means, especially for your intimate side of your relationship, you need to work at it. And I think people today are quite savvy. They understand that, yeah, you need to work at the relating side, you know, speaking to each other well, investing in the relationship that way. But they do still have that belief that you ride off into the sunset and you fuck happily ever after when you find the one. And uh, that's actually not true. You've got to keep working at your sexual relationship to keep it alive and to keep it sparking. I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and we were talking about how we know that that's not the case, that there's no right one for every one person, but there still seems to be this underlying feeling that you know, Mr or Mrs Wright is eventually one day going to come along and sweep you off your feet. And I think it's because, you know, from childhood you just Popular sort of... Popular media, yeah. all the childhood books, you know, you've got to find the one true love. It's just, I think, yeah, people can connect along the way. And one thing we have to realise too is that there, there are three certainties in life, right? Tax, death and change, <laughs> right? So we are all changing constantly. And sometimes in our relationships... Our relationships can weather the two individuals changing or multiple, depending on how you're set up there. But sometimes relationships don't weather those changes. And I think when people end relationships, they're viewed upon as failing. And I think that that's really unfair and harsh. And I tend to take a non-blame approach in these things because maybe the two of you have changed and your paths are different now. And maybe you need to walk a different path. It doesn't mean that this relationship was terrible or a failure. So what have you got to do to keep your long-term relationship feeling good? Yeah. Um, prioritise it, I think. That's that's really important. Also, sort of 
coming back to that desire, uh, understanding that you have that honeymoon period, right? And then I think what we're sold in the media is that we should have this spontaneous desire, this lusty, you know, get on my loins, rah, I'm so hot and we should be ripping each other's clothes off all the time. But as we progress into the relationship, the mundanities of life can get in the way. We're working hard, we're trying to buy property or having babies or juggling jobs or studying, doing all these things that make life a whole lot less sexy. So sometimes desire is not this, I want to rip your clothes off, but it's a response to, oh my, you just gave me a foot rub and I think you're just so lovely right now. Let's go upstairs and get it on, you know, or you help me doing something that I really appreciate. Or wow, I was sitting here reading a book and you nuzzled my neck and yeah, okay, let's go. Right, so that's called responsive desire. And I think often I'll meet couples where one person has spontaneous desire. It's um, said that 70% of men identify as having spontaneous desire, right? So they can be turned on really quickly and aroused, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to people with vulvas, not so much. You know, we've, it's really a switch in the head that needs to go off. And our our desire is about seventy five percent subjective, which means it's all about what's going on around us. So if the dog just threw up on the carpet and we're worried about our tax return, and the boss has been a shit at work today, chances are we're not feeling very sexy. Yes. Now tell yeah. me a little bit about prioritizing your relationship. What does ah, that look like? Okay. So it means I always encourage people to make their relationship their number one priority and by that I don't mean let's sit around and stare into each other's eyes for eight hours a day not that not at all but taking 10 minutes here and five minutes there checking in with each other making sure that you're talking to each other like lovers like the lovers don't want to know about the bills and who's taking the kids places they want to know how was your day is your mum still talking to you after you had that fight what are you excited about doing on the weekend did you get that promotion at work that's the lovers talk so keeping being interested in each other because it's very easy to be busy and not listen. Yeah. This is kind of like, sounds a little bit like work, the kind of work you don't have to do (laughs) in the first months of your relationship. I think that's it. And I think some people find that a drag because it's very heady to have all that really pleasurable, lusty hormone stuff going on and having the pleasure center of your brain running it. But think about this, Spratty. Imagine you've got a beautiful garden that you like to sit in every day and you enjoy it. Um, you have to do a little bit of work to keep that garden going, don't you? You've got to water it when there's no water restrictions on. Um, you need to maybe once or twice a year do some pruning. Got to get in there and make sure it's not too weedy. And, you know, occasionally you've got to put some fertilizer down. And I think that's the stuff that you need to do with your relationship because what happens to the garden if you don't do those things? It goes back to the earth, right? And it's yeah. the same with your relationship. It's about making sure that we're in tune and attuned to each other. Well, right, And the physical side too, this is what people forget, right? When the limerence goes away, you actually need to work at prioritizing sex because suddenly it's harder to get to. Um, so it's not, not necessarily making appointments to have sex, you know, like Wednesday at 5.30 we're going to have sex. A lot of people find that really difficult. Yet a lot of couples are really challenged with trying to find the time to hang out with each other and be romantic or be sexual. So I sort of say, why don't you plan to be spontaneous, right? Which is putting some things in your week that are lovely things to do with each other that you wouldn't do with your best friend. Uh, So it might be like taking a bath together or having a shower or this week I'm going to massage you and next week you can massage me. And these things are lovely and connective if we do them on their own. But if we get a little bit jiggy from that, it's an easier step to get to being romantic or sexual than it is from, hey, babe, how was your day? 
Right? Does that make sense? Yes. You're listening to my uh, chat with Tanya Coons. Let's talk about sex. We are talking about how to keep the spark alive in a long-term relationship. I'm hoping that I'm a better girlfriend than I am a gardener because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just leave that to my housemates. Up next, we're going to be chatting to what you can do if you feel like your spark is well and truly you know, gone. Your garden has been let to, you know. Yeah, it's gone to seed. Gone to seed. <laughs> Right after this track from Hatchie, it's Obsessed. And you can join us on 0409 945 945. Get in touch on the text line. Ask questions of Tanya. You're on Mornings. You're on Let's Talk About Sex. You're on Mornings, FBI 94.5. We're talking about when you're not obsessed with your partner anymore <laughs> in a long-term uh. relationship. I'm joined by relationships counsellor and sexual therapist Tanya Coons, our pleasure activist Woo-hoo, here on Here mornings. I am. Now, Carla texted in and said, I really miss how we used to kiss when we first started dating. Uh, I hear that one a lot as well. And I think people get out of the routine of kissing each other. And, you know, one of the favourite things I give to people for homework when they come to me for couples counselling is to give each other a six-second kiss when they say hello and when they say goodbye. And I usually then am very quiet and I count my fingers off till six. And I'm they counting realize, up to six now yeah, to see how long that takes. It's quite a while. You can accomplish a lot. And this is not, you know, okay, let's have a game of tonsil hockey. It's not that, right? It could be that you lean in and just linger over each other's lips or you could nibble all the way from your lips up to your ear and back again. You could nuzzle that person's neck. You could grab their butt and pull them in tighter, Right? It's about intention. You're creating intention. And I've seen research done that when people did this, it's uh, research from the States, um, their sex lives improved exponentially one week of doing it because they hadn't been used to it. And it kind of gets the juices flowing and gets you used to sort of thinking and feeling sexy again. That's homework for everyone who's yep. in a long-term relationship <laughs> listening. Six-second kisses on hello and goodbye yep. with your partner. Absolutely. Now, for people who feel like the spark is well and truly gone, they yeah. feel like they haven't put enough energy into it, and we're going to get into how to know when it's time to actually let go of the relationship in a second, but for pe- people who feel like it's you know it's on its deathbed and it needs that sort of revival jolt. Yeah. Or <laughs> even, can- even sometimes people are just like, oh, I feel really like luster, but I don't know how to talk to my partner. Yeah about it yeah um, and I have so many people who are sort of like oh I don't want to say anything because I don't want my partner to feel bad I'm like okay well are you feeling bad and they're like yeah and I'm like well it's a problem that affects both of you and I think you'll find your partner's a lot more resilient than you think and it's the way you talk about it right so there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with routine sex I think a lot of people think oh our sex life's really dull we do xyz and then it's all over red rover and you know we shake hands and say I'll see you here next week right but if that's what's okay great but sex it it needs to be enjoyed by both people right but sex isn't something that should be tolerated or endured and I think a lot of people when they get into routine or when they get into obligation start to put up with things and that's when it becomes really terrible for both people because you you can tell when your partner's not there right so talking about it right you've got to talk about what you hope for in your terms of connection in terms of connection and frequency the things that you'd like to try or do the amount of time you'd like to spend on your intimate connection Right. And you said before it's how you talk about it. Oh, so much. So let's don't 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 give a sort of critique when you're still naked and, and sweaty and just be like, well, that didn't go well and I didn't like this and that's not working for me, right? That's not very helpful and it's not great for your partner's ego. But it is 
okay to say hey listen you know I want to sort of I've been thinking about our intimate life and I'd really like a chance for the two of us to sit down and have a really open conversation that's not about getting people in trouble or blaming them but exploring what is possible because I think people always focus on performance and what's not possible and they don't think about what is possible and pleasure which is my whole gig. Tony Coons, you are a wealth of knowledge on pleasure. (laughs) And if you have any questions about your own long-term relationship you'd like to text in, you can on 0409 945 945. So how do you know when it's time to let go of a relationship? When it's just, where do you draw the line between stale and dead? Stale and dead. Yeah. I, what do I say to people? We need to work out if we're on the QE2 or the Titanic, right? Yes. Um, because sometimes it feels like we're on the Titanic when we can't talk about things. Um, but once conversations get going, people can discover that it's not as, they're not as far away as they thought they were from having the intimate life or the, the relationship they want. But if... If you're really concerned about your relationship and how it's going, then um, think about what it is that you want from your relationship, right? So these are the things that you'd like as a benefit for being in relationship. So not, I want Fred to do more of this or Jane to do less of that. You want it to be non-partner specific. It's like, hooray, I'm in a relationship. These are the kind of things that I'm hoping to get. So people write things like, you know, I want love. I want freedom. I want great sex. I want a dog. I want financial security. I want travel. I want support. Very broad brush sort of things. But that, you know, imagine writing that on Perspex and then mapping it over the top of your relationship. Like, how are you going there? What? Are, how many ticks are you getting? And I think that if you're happy 70% of the time, you're doing really well. We, we keep going for this mythical 100% happiness rate, which is what you see in the movies, and it's a myth and it's sold to you because a lot of the time we have shitty days and don't forget we're all fundamentally very irritating, so there will be days that we piss our partners off, and that's okay and normal. Yeah, we did get into a little bit last fortnight how living in the social media age is causing yeah. a lot of problems in relationships in these modern times. And yeah. you, you can listen back to that podcast if yeah. you like. Let's talk about sex. To do that. I think people are looking at those things for their goals and they're not talking to their partner about it. And I think it's really important to talk uh, and to, to look at the things that you can do together. you know. So what are the roadblocks? For example, if we're not getting to sex, what do you think is getting in the way? It Could it be are we co-sleeping? Are we you know, trying to have sex when we go to bed at night and we're so exhausted? Do we not have any time on the weekends? Are we having a lot of stress at the moment? Because that will flatline your libido. So talking about things and then a way to see how much stretch there is is to talk about it and ask each other to answer the questions twice. Once for an ideal world and once for a good enough world. So an ideal world is where we don't have things interfering and getting in the way. And a good enough world is I need this to survive, right? Can you give an example of how that conversation might go? Yeah. So it's uh, this, this happened in my rooms. So it was quite funny, actually. So it's like, how often would you like to be having sex, right? So in an ideal world, this was a uh, married couple and the guy said, uh, I would like it every day ideal world and then in a good enough world he said once a week and his partner was taking a sip of her water as he said that and sprayed it all over the room went oh my god are you kidding once a week I could certainly do that I thought that you know you're you're always asking me and always touching me and always groping me and he said yeah I'm working on the ratios right he was getting so many no's that he kept trying once they had that conversation they were sweet they were able to negotiate when was good how it would work and then talk a little bit more about things they'd like to try or do but 
taking the pressure off. I think we're so afraid when we think things are going wrong that we're having the conversation in our head and we're not getting it right. We're giving you some practical advice on keeping the spark alive in your long-term relationship. I am joined by Tani Coons, our resident sexologist, relationships counsellor and pleasure activist. (laughs) One thing that probably springs to mind for a lot of people in long-term relationships, would it help if I open up my relationship? And we're going to get to that after a track. Yeah. If you want to text in, you can on 0409 945 945. This is Let's Talk About Sex on Mornings. We're having a bit of a giggle about this track. Milton Mango, TV was better when I was younger. Brisbane artist Tony Coons is with me in the studio for Let's Talk About Sex. Hey. Having a chat about long-term relationships. And before that track, we posed the question, when you're in a long-term relationship, does the thought ever come to your head, would this be a bit easier if we were in an open relationship? Would that help put the spark back into things? Now, in your line of work, Tanya, as a relationships counsellor, is that a question that you see come up very often? All the time. All the time. People think that they can um, save a faltering sex life by opening things up. And sometimes they can. But, you know, open relationships aren't for everybody. Right? They really aren't. Uh, if you don't have communication going well in your relationship, opening your relationship will not solve that. It's much better designed for people who can communicate well. In fact, I've you know many of the poly folks that I work with say, you know, in order to be poly, you need to really like talking about relationships, right? Because you've got to keep doing that to make sure that everything's going well. So if you haven't been talking about things for a number of years and then you say, hey, let's open the relationship, it's kind of like throwing a hand grenade in there. To use an earlier metaphor, would it be like buying a house with a bigger garden when your current garden is needs a little bit of work and yeah. tenderness? Yeah. <laughs> a bigger or a better garden, yeah. See, most people, if they want to do poly, they do it because they want more or they want different, right? They don't do it to save their relationship. It can invigorate relationships when people do it well because they go out, they have sexual adventures and they come back and talk to their partner and they can bring that energy back into the, the relationship so it, it does work for those folk but they're usually people that have quite a sound relationship right so um, and I do know that people in long-term relationships as they're sort of going on for numbers of years they can get into trying kink they can go to sex parties they, they do try opening up their relationships there's a lot of very interesting things going on with folks in long-term relationships and, out there and is this what we call spicing things up <laughs> in the bedroom I think for some, for some people yeah spicing things up can mean opening things up or being more public about things, definitely. Um, but for other people, it can mean, you know, let's get a pair of fluffy handcuffs and go to a hotel room, right? It, it's There's a spectrum uh, and it depends on you and what you like and what your partner might like. So it's looking for the overlap in that. But opening up, you know, I always like to say, quote the, the wonderful Dan Savage, no matter what kind of relationship you have, you'll always want to fuck other people, right? <laughs> because we're going to be attracted to other people. It's how we act on that and what kind of relationship we do have. That, that we're going to make sense of that. Being attracted to somebody else is not wrong or terrible and you're not cheating on your partner because we're, it's interesting, we're wired to seek novelty yet we crave routine, right? So that's going to set up some dissonance in us over time and we need to learn how to work with those things. I see. So how can you work with the desire to want to be with another person and make that work for your relationship? 
Well, it depends. You need to talk about that because some people, they're set up for monogamy and they, they, they can't do that. It wouldn't be worth the trauma, the jealousy, the insecurity, all that sort of stuff for them. So, you know, I'm not here to say opening your relationship is the only way. I think it only works for people who can. There are some people who are naturally not jealous, right, and some people who are quite insecure or have abandonment in their psychology. And you want to think twice about that because it's going to set something up that can be very difficult to manage. But for some folks... It's it can be like let's try this they could you know it could just be you know what dan calls monogamish where you invite a guest star into the bedroom every now and then a know, real, and you a play real person together. yeah yeah and you play <laughs> you play together or it could be that you go out to a party and you the two of you can be sexual publicly but no one else but with no one else so there's there's things that you can do to make it exciting that other people are involved in but not too involved if you're worried or concerned but I always say to these uh, people wanting to do this, you need to talk about it until you're really sick of talking about it and then you may be ready. If you want to learn more about uh, trying open relationships, polyamory, monogamish, <laughs> as we just heard, we have a whole episode of that on we our do. podcast. You can just look up Let's Talk About Sex in your podcast app or on the FBI Radio website and there's a little cute cartoon picture of two monkeys <laughs> having a smooch. Tanya Coons, thank you so much for coming in today and giving us some great advice on how to keep things fresh and alive and how to nurture our long-term relationships. It's my pleasure, Bridie. We'll catch you next month for more of Let's Talk About Sex. And we're going to get into Stu Coop's show in just a second. But first, something from Girl Band. This is Shoulder Blades. We're on FBI 94.5.